You're listening to the Mistress of None podcast with Erin Harks. Hello, hello, hello. This is Erin Harks with the Mistress of None. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to let this interview today speak for itself because it's something that I have definitely talked about. Um, boy, I'm jumping right in today, aren't I? Um, I have talked about this to no end with, um, I guess, my own little passive-aggressive way of offering advice to other performers in the area and how how to act and how to not act when it comes to trying to get help with certain things. And um, so on today's episode, we talk with Sarah Craig, who uh, runs Cafe Lena. Um, Cafe Lena, for those of you that don't know, you should know, is historic, beautiful venue in uh, Saratoga Springs. And I got to play there last year. It was technically my first time playing there. I heard some really nice feedback from people that said that it was, I should have played there much sooner than I did. Um, but I didn't because I, I respected the establishment so much and I took it very seriously and I didn't want to go to it unless I knew I had a good show and something unique and something that I could make a big deal. I wanted, I wanted to sell it out or come as close as I possibly could. And before that, I had been playing so much. The first time that I reached out to Sarah, I was definitely oversaturated in the scene. And that was one of her concerns. And she was absolutely right. And I said that I would make it uh, so that it was a special event. And that was right before the pandemic. And we all know what happened there. So when I reached out again last year, I saw an opening. Um, I saw that my friends in the Circe were playing there. And I figured that would be a good little uh, jump start if I just crashed their stage and then just plugged it there. And Melanie and Rich are great to have let me do that. So I did that and just promoted the hell out of it. And it went really well. And um, now because of that and because of the relationship that I was able to build with them, I have been able to do this monthly showcase called Lena Go Round, which we are in our third month tonight. It's out tonight. We've got Buggy Drive, Kim Buckley and Zan Strumfeld. And um, I'm so honored for this opportunity to be there. But it was really nice to sit and talk with Sarah, um, who honestly, as somebody in this position can be very misunderstood a lot of times and often probably considered to be mean because she holds this position of power where she's the gatekeeper. She's the executive director of Cafe Lena and she is the gatekeeper uh, for whether or not you can play there. But her job is immensely difficult. She has to consider so many different things that some artists don't consider. They just want to come in and play. I mean, I know that they, they realize that it is a huge honor and a huge responsibility but they don't always get to see the decision-making process and the business side of it. Um, and we discussed that a lot again. So I'll let the interview speak for itself because it was a really, really great conversation that we got to have. And I'm so excited that I broke through. It took me a few years, guys. And um, people say no. And I get said no to more than you think. <laughs> um so I hope that you enjoy the episode. 
at the risk of repeating myself, like I said, I'm just going to get into it. Um, and then I will uh, catch you on the outro to talk about some other cool things that are coming up. But again, this is Sarah Craig, Cafe Lena. I hope you enjoy. Thanks. You're listening to the Mistress of None podcast with Aaron Harks. Hello, hello, hello. This is the Mistress of None. Thanks for tuning in. Today, my guest is Sarah Craig of Cafe Lena. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being had. I'm so <laughs> delighted to be here. We are in the uh, the purple green room here at Cafe Lena, which is a beautiful ambient light, but we had to turn the lights on so we can get a good video. But uh, this is one of the most comforting, wonderful places in a wonderful cafe. And I love being here with you. And thank you so much for meeting with me today. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. I can't wait to find out what we're going to talk about. That's it. We're going to wing it. Well, what's <laughs> funny is that um, just coming in here, just uh, the second you walk into this place, you just are overcome with the history of it and, and how much beautiful things have happened here in this room. What I find the funniest is every time I go to interview somebody, we always end up having these amazing discussions before I hit record. And so there's definitely some things that we've already talked about that I was like, hold on, we're going to talk about that more a little bit. But first, tell me what brought you to Cafe Lena. Oh, sure. Uh uh, let's see. So that was back in 1995 and I had, uh, just gotten married kind of out of the blue to somebody who was up here and I was down in Boston and, um, had to decide which place to live, moved up here, middle of the winter, needed to find a job, wanted to work in the nonprofit sector. I uh, just come from running a peace organization in the Boston area and, um, found this Little line in the back of the Saratogian, we're talking paper classified. I was sitting in a diner in Salem, New York, and it said, um, nonprofit arts organization seeks full or part-time executive director. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And um, I didn't actually think that I was a good fit for the arts because I had come from this kind of grassroots lobbying, uh, peace and justice background. Um, I'd done a lot of work on gay rights, women's rights, um, um, some environmental stuff. And so... So you're a Republican. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm a Republican. <laughs> Sorry. Yep, many generations. Uh, and so I thought, you know, I thought that the arts were, if you have time once the world has been saved... I think that that's kind of how I thought about it at that time. And um, so when I found out it was Cafe Lena and I knew about Cafe Lena, I knew about its reputation. I happened to be really into the 60s folk revival music at that point. So I was like, oh, no, that's getting kind of interesting. Yeah. So um, I came over and I had the interview and we just had this incredible conversation about about. Dylan and um, and Pete Seeger and the ways that music had led the civil rights movement and mind strikes and you know all this kind of stuff and um, I would say that I was a little bit at sea and probably in over my head for the first couple of years but then I really started to understand the power of what happens here and the role of the arts in creating a healthy community, a healthy world. And now I think that the arts are the best tool that we have for actually creating space for people to understand each other 
in this world and to understand themselves. I think that if you really listen to songs, you start to know yourself, not just what the singer's singing about. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a, what a interesting past that I'm so glad that it brought you to, to the arts. And that is, I think, a, a notion that it's when the rest of the world has been saved. I think that's a notion that a lot of people have, especially when you look at school funding. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as a musician, a almost lifelong musician or even aspiring musician, I remember being like, I was in a music class that they almost took away because only three of us signed up for it. Yeah. And I was like, but what I got from that class, I like to think I've given back a little bit. So it was worthwhile <laughs> to keep that class, if not just for me, you right. know, um, but that, that could be the most narcissistic thing that I've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's so true, though. I mean, because like here I'm, I'm having to take science and math. And I know that some of those things are very important, but like there weren't ever as many opportunities for for me to explore music. And you should be given those opportunities when, when you're young. Be like, here, try this. Try throwing this ball. And if you are good at it and you really like it, then we'll let you throw the ball four times a day. Yeah. You know, and they don't do that with music, unfortunately. So it's I'm glad tough. that you... Yeah. And and so actually, the, the most recent chapter in this kind of journey of epiphany for me is that I've, I came out of the pandemic understanding a lot more about the social service nonprofits and the grassroots kind of activist nonprofits in town because we became this place, like the only place where you could come and kind of stand in front of a camera and give your message to the world or have a valuable conversation or hold a fundraiser and stuff because we got to be declared a... uh, temporarily a broadcast studio during the pandemic so that we were an essential business and we were able to use the space um, under very restrictive conditions but still your idea though um it was uh lots of little bits of ideas coming together into a fantastic idea brilliant yeah yeah it, it really worked um i think that the first person who who um thought of it was michael eck (laughs) <laughs> so Michael, we love Mike. So we were going into the sh- the full shutdown. It was the eve of the full shutdown. The next day, we were supposed to have a children's show, and he said, "Well, here's what you do." And he said it is a joke. He said, "Just just have the performers come in and stand on stage and play to an empty room, but stream it." But it, we were like, "Ha ha ha! Oh wait, yeah, actually, <laughs> that's exactly what we'll do." So that's what we did. But what happened was we had this parade of different nonprofit organizations come through, um, be their most powerful selves on that mic, talk about their mission. And I began to fully understand that everybody who's running these nonprofits, whatever it is, is trying to save the world or make the community healthier in some way. And so then I began to see that we're just all on the same team mm-hmm. and that, um, and that, uh, we all have something to contribute to a better world and that we need to pool our resources. And so I've been thinking about lots of different ways to keep that going since the pandemic. We have this program called True Songs. We have this conversation series called Serving Saratoga. We have all this different stuff that we do um, to try and capture the true story of the community, which you hear in folk songs all the time, but try and take it so it's not just like an old miners ballad from Kentucky, but you're looking at what's actually happening in the world today. 
tying together the music and the real true stories of the community. I really like Cafe Lena having that role. I think that comes very authentically out of Absolutely. what folk music is. I Honestly, I can't think of a better place yeah. for it. And it's just, just because I'm sitting in here right now. Like It seems like a, a symbiotic mm-hmm. relationship. I so. think that, you know, the one thing that the arts do is they keep you constantly looking at things through a fresh lens, right? Mm-hmm. That song sparks your mind. That painting mm, just does something to you. And so just being around the arts all the time, it's like constantly not just understanding myself better, but understanding what Cafe Lena is better. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's taken me 30 years to get to know it, but uh, and I'm sure I'm not done. Are we going to do something extraordinary next year for your 30 year anniversary oh um i don't think so (laughs) i think we need to (laughs) we're doing it right now we're celebrating with this podcast we'll talk about this later i like i like throwing parties so but no i mean um i think the the beauty of a space like this and especially the space but also just listening rooms in Mm -hmm. general um as many people that are listening know and as you know uh, we had a nice little heart-to-heart last summer after my first show here, and um, it was very emotional. But it was because I realized, and and I think the pandemic was part of that. Um, I didn't. I knew that I had a you know an interesting effect on people, but I didn't know how much until like and to keep things like this alive during the pandemic. And for me, doing my online shows, I had people going like. I was at my wit's end and I knew that I could tune in, like saying really sweet things to me that I didn't even consider. And so that felt really good to hear. But then coming back out of it, I was already getting tired of the bar shows and the covers and just being ignored, essentially. Um, And then the pandemic happened and then it was, okay, we have to rebuild and I have to make some money. And so I took everything that I possibly could. And then the past year, I was like, I hate this with a thousand passions. And I played with... um, I did a listening room out in Syracuse with our friends, Cersei. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I need to be doing this. This is what I need to be doing. Anytime I got the opportunity to play for people that were just there to hear music, I was like, I need to, this is what I need to be doing. And so uh, it's just so important to support places like this that give us opportunities, us music- musicians, opportunities to do exactly what we were meant to do. I mean, it's fine to pay the bills playing, you know, like Adele covers in a bar. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's something so special about having people really listen and connect with them. And like people always ask, like, do you ever like tell jokes between songs? I'm like, no, because nobody's listening. But like here I was like telling full stories and jokes and people were laughing. And like, it's just such a beautiful experience. Yeah. Yeah. And to see artists here, like I got to see Richard Thompson uh, not last summer, the summer before. Summer before, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I'm obsessed. And I was so close to him. And I controlled myself. But just hearing <laughs> him talk about these songs and having, and everybody, like there's just a buzz, like an energy in the room, like your hair is standing at attention. And it's just, I wish more people would, would come experience something like that. It's, I, the staff here talks about this, you know, we, we get to see the, that, transformation happen every night we see the audience come in in a certain mood with a certain energy and then when we see them leaving it's like this lightness you know this lightness and this energy that's flowing into them uh and and a feeling of gratitude and a feeling that 
oh, maybe people aren't so bad after all, you know, maybe there's hope, maybe there's whatever. And it's just an incredible sort of restoration of their humanity that I, I see happening all the time. And I see it happening for the musicians too. And it's so gosh darn simple. All you have to do is have a little room with people coming in with an authentic wish to listen to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that freaking simple. It's it's hard to believe that it's that rare and precious. It, it is, isn't you know? it? Yeah. yeah. I was like, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's it's frustrating how simple yeah. it is. Like, but, we could have, we could live our lives like that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you hear this, everybody? <laughs> It's just, it's such a beautiful thing, honestly. Like, I know, I feel like sometimes it always seems like I'm gushing whenever I'm interviewing people, but I only interview people that I'm impressed with in Mm. places that I am impressed with. And, like, this is one of those places. And um, I've talked, I remember I interviewed Reese Mm -hmm. um, a couple of months ago because he was doing the first show that I had. We'll we'll get, you know, of course, I'm going to plug my own because it's here. Um, (laughs) But Lena Go Round. And like he said, I, I have it on tape. I almost started to cry. I was like, I finally got to play my first show here. And he goes, yeah, that was way overdue. And I was like, no, <laughs> like, you know, but I, I didn't. And I said to him, I didn't want to come here with a show until I knew that I could do it and I could pack the place and I could do yeah, it right. You and sure did. Thank you. Yeah. I waited <laughs> until I knew and I was like, I'm ready now. It's time now. Yeah. Like we tried it again. We tried it right before the pandemic. And then it was like. I think I saw you at um, at UPH for mm-hmm. the um, Hall of Fame. Oh, sure. And yeah, we were right. like, we're going to talk. We're going to talk. <laughs> and I was like, no, we're not. Like, you know, but um, yeah, it was, it, that was just one of the best nights of my life, honestly, uh, was playing here. Awesome. And um, so one of the events that I get to do here, thanks to you, thank you so much, is Lena Go Round, which is a monthly thing of uh, local singer-songwriters. I may pull a few out of local. I think Mm -hmm. I got some people that I want to bring through that might just add so much to it, too. Uh, But there's so much great talent locally, and I'm really getting excited with the people that I'm getting to meet. Um, And it's just songs in the round, and I'm going to be bringing new stuff. It's forcing my hand to write more stuff, which is great, and just sitting in the presence of these other great songwriters and just the, the, the energy in the room has been exceptional. But um, what's awesome is yesterday I was waiting to hear back from Roseanne Ranieri and uh, she wanted to do the February one and she goes, I can't, can I do April or March? And I'm like, you can do whatever you want. (laughs) Like I say to people, I'm like, "You're, you're a get for me. You're a huge get for me. And then like as soon as I got her message, I was like, Okay. And I'm like, hmm, 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 hmm. And then I get a message from Belle Skinner. Yeah. And she goes, I, are you the one that I talked to? I'm like, you're on. Like, t- next one. I was like, how is that? That's awesome. Like, I'm not encouraging everybody to start messaging me like that. Um, but it was just, it's great, the, the the caliber of artists that are reaching out that want to be a part of it. And that's well, more. About, yeah. yeah. And I want to say something about that. Um, when you came forward with this idea... It was exactly something that it needed somebody like you to do it. I can't quite do it because that's not the music scene that I am an expert in. I'm not an expert in the local music scene because Cafe Lena has generally been this kind of, you know, pass through for for nationally touring acts. And that's the scene that I'm kind of a little bit more dialed into. And um, yet... There are so many people 
who play in the capital region who have come up through our open mic, Mm -hmm. a listening room open mic um, that's been really, you know, formative for them. And, um, And when we do a benefit show, who do we call on? We call on local musicians. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a handful of people who have structured their careers so that they can carve out a little time and space to play a, a show at Lena's, you know, Michael Jerling, um, Jim Gaudet. But, you know, there are a whole bunch of local people who have done that. But I always have this feeling like there's got to be more space for the local music scene to be able to like to have their time on that stage because I know that a lot of people in the local music scene care about you know the artists who have passed through here they care about the legacy they see Cafe Lena as being one of the assets of the capital region and I want them to have time on stage and so by doing Lena Go Round you are creating space for that and that um, that makes me feel really good to like you know kind of reclaim some of those roots and ties well that's amazing like I said I I had I didn't have the idea I mean I knew that this has been done Mm -hmm. but I saw that there was an opportunity for it in Saratoga and I thought about Cafe Lena and then I thought there's no way I like no no offense I just it's very prestigious and so I thought about a few other places and I was like all right we're just gonna see (laughs) and like you wrote back and I was like oh my god <laughs> like I'm like I'm getting like goosebumps right now. Like what an honor to be able to do it here, and you know y- your staff also is just you have the best staff. Like Aren't they great? Every, every single person. They're all in it for the right reasons. They, they really are. Really and are passionate about oh, the music. Yeah, and it, they understand the value of just uh, you know kind of rolling out the red carpet for everybody and treating everybody like a friend and a neighbor, whether they're in the seats or on stage or uh, volunteering. That's that's definitely the ethos we try to try to um, carry on. Um, that's what Lena did, and yeah. you know we try to keep that going. Yeah, I mean, I came in to see Cersei the other night, and it was packed. I couldn't even stand like outside, and so I was like, you know, I saw uh, Matt Griffin, yep. and I was like, can I just go? He's like, yeah, go ahead. And I walked down the hall with this one. One of the volunteers go. I said, could I just get like a cup of tea or something, like a chamomile or something? And she was like, what table are you at? And Matt's like, that's Erin Hark. She does her Lena go. And they're oh, okay, go in the green room. I'll bring her in into you. I was like, oh, excuse me, like you know. But they weren't like. She was like, what table? Like I was like, oh no, I'm gonna, you know, just trying not to be here, but also would really love a cup of tea, kind of thing. But yeah, they were great, like bringing it back in, and then they started checking on me. I'm like, I'm fine. Go. I'm just waiting for them to call me up like it's all good but I mean everybody's just been so sweet and very welcoming great like you really do feel like you're part of the family once you start to work here so yeah what are um like if you could change anything about how how things work in like the musical industry (laughs) oh I know this is a loaded question (laughs) what's one of your biggest pet peeves as a venue uh manager what are my biggest pet peeves um I think that, okay, this probably doesn't really have that much to do with the music industry, but it has to do with just the way life is for everybody now, and that is too much too fast. Mm -hmm. Um, I struggle with that, and one of the things that I think really kind of hurts me about having to just move through my decision-making about music and stuff really fast is um, it, it begins... It can begin to commodify things. If you if you get to the point where you can just like make decisions, boom, 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 like that, like this works, that doesn't work, yeah, blah, blah, you know, 
that feels like a sacrilege. And so I'm constantly needing to just sort of elbow other things out of the way, you know, the fundraising, the marketing, the staff management, the building itself, the whatever, and, um, and try to create space for, for booking shows that mm, where I can be my best self, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and bring uh, an attitude of total respect to everything that I deal with. So I would say it's that it's kind of, which is a way of saying, Oh my God, does my inbox get flooded <laughs> with requests, you know? And uh-huh. I want to, and I want to, um, I want to take every single one seriously. Like we, we were talking before we got on mic about, how hard it is to say no to people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I sometimes get the impression from musicians that they might think I relish saying no, mm. that it's like a little bit of a power trip. And it's not. You should see me. I'm like, uh, I'm a wreck about it lots yeah. of times. And it would seem ridiculous uh, f- given how long I've been doing this, but like every single request that comes in, I'm like, I wonder if I can make this dream come true for this person. You know, that's like sort of yeah. my headspace. Like, oh boy, they really want to play here, but they got no credentials whatsoever and honestly the music is not up to snuff they would not have a good experience it's not the right stage for them at this point in their career and so you got to say no and um I always keep my nose as simple and content free as possible Mm -hmm. because I think that a lot of musicians just the, the thing you hear all the time is no is the next best answer. It's like they throw out so many requests and they hear back from so few people that just the very fact of saying, I'm sorry, but this won't work at this time. Good luck with the tour is like, good. We can check that box and move on. Yeah, And that's what a lot of people want. I try not to get into a lot of like, you know, wow, every single song is in exactly the same key, you know, and (laughs) there's just not a lot here. Well, I mean, it's not really your job to give that kind of feedback, but I mean, musicians are notoriously needy, and sometimes, (laughs) like, no isn't, people don't comprehend sometimes, but it is hard to say, and I'm glad that you had the chance to, to say that, because I do think that a lot of people think that anybody in a position of power or anybody with any, you know, stout at all, is like, oh, 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 oh. And it's like, it's not like that. Like, no. I've been overwhelmed with, you know, and I do comedy and music. Mm-hmm. And so I have both of those types of people messaging me nonstop going like, I want to be, somebody got my number, my phone number somehow, this woman. And I felt bad, but I was like, I, she, I said, hello. And she launched into her speech. And I said, who gave you my number? And she goes, oh, this uh, probably another probably another comedian. I go, no, I need to know like who's giving my phone number out because this is not how you contact me. For like my phone is like my safe space. Like I don't get any notifications in my phone, so I tell people like email me. That's it. Just email me. I keep it all in one place. I have somebody that'll e- uh, message me on Facebook. I go send an email to this, and then I never hear from them again. And I'm like, okay, like. You could be like Bon Jovi, and I'm like, oh, if you're not going to learn to read and follow the rules, like that's one more one more thing I can check off my list. But no, it's not easy to tell people like I'm not interested, right? Because no matter how I put it, no matter how I gloss it up, if I'm not firm and say no, it's not going to work, then you're going to keep trying. So if I say, oh, I wish I could, blah 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 blah, you're going to keep trying. If I say no, 
it's not good enough, then I'm a bitch. Right. Yeah. Then, yeah, exactly. And, or you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, That's I wish somebody would come at me with that. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm every bit as good as all those other people who play there. I just need a chance. I will play for free. Like, no, you won't. Musicians get paid. You'll never play for free but on the stage. not only that, like, it's, <laughs> it can't be free because... We have to turn the lights on and we have to drive ourselves here. This whole staff. I mean, we have volunteers, but there's also paid staff. Sure. And there's rent. It's very And there's expensive. Joe. Joe's not going to work for free. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's a funny guy. But it's, yeah, people don't, and they do, again, they do the same things with comedy. They're like, oh, I don't even need to get paid. And I'm like, thanks. But yeah. Also, unfortunately, Part of the business, which is like, this is the hardest discussion to have with people. And we mentioned this before we started recording was you ask people like, you know, you, you have to be able to sell tickets. I'm sorry. You could be the most talented person I've ever met in my life. But if you can't sell even five tickets, I can't use you. If there's something that I'm doing that I know is going to sell out, then sure, maybe I'll, I'll throw you a bone. But my ever since I made this whole career shift... In the past year, everything I do is a ticketed event now. And if you can't help me make that a success, then I can't I can't use you. Right. Then then you're just yeah, you're ballast. And yeah. I'm the maybe I'm the first one to tell you that, or maybe I'm the only one to tell you that, but that is the that is the truth. Mm -hmm. And that is something that in, your whole job depends on ears and eyes. Like, you have to get better at this. Figure mm -hmm. it out. Market it. Like, that's part of the game now. Yeah. And I will tell you that that is a monumental job. Mm -hmm. It's huge. It's hard. I will never, ever tell you that, like, oh, anybody can do that. No. Uh, it's, I, I, you know, sometimes... Uh, People will come to me right out of open mic and maybe they're, maybe they're writing some pretty good songs. They're like, so how do I get started? I'm like, I, I should know the answer. There should be a good answer to that, but I barely know. Like I kind of know, but it's, some of it is luck. Some of it is a song that resonates with a moment in time and it just makes, you know, people's eyes pop and, uh, you know, some of it, some of it is just you have that, uh, you know, wonderful way with the audience where they just kind of can't take their eyes off you. You know, sometimes it goes beyond those songs. The songs are essential, but there's this whole other thing that you might have or not have. Yeah. And also, I mean, I've told people in the past few years that I've become more of a businesswoman than an artist in the past few years out of necessity, just to make sure that I'm constantly in in work. But like. You could have the it factor, but if you don't know how to market yourself and how to properly promote, then it's just not. Yeah. Like, then you have to really count on some luck. We had um, we had a neat thing that we did right before the pandemic that was a series of artist development workshops, and uh, 
we had we we assembled different panels of people to come in, and I think we picked like maybe twenty local musicians to be part of it that we all thought were very promising and with a little bit of professional guidance might benefit from this opportunity. Reese was there, Carolyn was there, um, bun- bunch of people who are really in the scene now, and uh, so it was like you know we brought in real booking agents from big time booking agencies and uh, marketing people and entertainment lawyers and all kinds of stuff like that. We just created these cool educational workshops did um, ran for like maybe three months or so and it didn't cost the musicians anything. And that was a really cool learning experience because like I get to go out to these conferences. We get to go out to these conferences and learn from peers and learn from the industry. Some of this kind of stuff that you're talking about, like how the music business actually works. Some people don't even know those conferences exist or they would be beyond their budget to be able to go. And so we were trying to create like our own little mini crash course version of that here. And I think we're going to get another series going pretty soon, sometime before the end of the year. We're nice. going to pull together another one. Yeah, Reese was nudging me to to get that going again. That would be very beneficial to, yeah. to a lot of people. I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just understanding how... You know, like I just talked about this on my last podcast. I was like, I know some really great people. They don't even have a website. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm at like, you know, like the the gynecologist. And I'm like, here, I got a show tonight. Like, you know, you can't ever stop. You have to tell everybody. I know, sorry for the for the visual, but it was like. Oh, that's right. You're a comedian yeah, too. I, I forget sometimes. But you know, that's but that's how intense I can be. I'll be like. Yeah. You know, it comes up in conversation. Let people know what you do. They're going to be interested. And one out of 10 people that you talk to that day might actually come to the show. And then they'll bring their friends. And then, you know, you like at the, if they put the effort into that as they do into messaging people that have said no to them. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a tough business and it's hard, but it's... Artists are amazing to people, actually. Like, there's a, there's a real mystique about artists. And if you are a person who can stand on stage with your guitar and your own songs and make art in front of people and, and you personally invite somebody to be part of that, they're going to be completely honored. Never be shy about telling people what you do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, you're going to get a lot of people like, Oh my God, we'd love to. And you're like, you, you might never see them again. But if you do, then you've done something right. And that's what you have to do. And it's giving something to them. It really is. It's it's the same mentality as like that I had to get over when it comes to fundraising to sustain this place. It's like, I'm giving people the opportunity to help me create this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You have to like, you know, present your value mm-hmm. and believe in it. And I mean, when I first started uh, doing comedy, I started to, I was told almost right away that I would only make money if I produced my own shows. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, then I'm going to produce my own shows. And that's what I started to do. And um, the first few that I did, I would say to these comics, I was like, you know, can you help sell tickets? Can you bring people? And they were like, oh, no. And I'm like, okay, well, you need to bring people out to buy tickets. They're like, well, that's easy for you. You have that whole crowd from when you played music. And I'm like, do you think that I woke up one day with that, <laughs> with that audience? Oh, music is easy. I built that. Over, <laughs> like, I used to write things on paper and, like, tuck them in, like, windshields. Like, I've done it all. I papered Lark Street, like, literally papered Lark Street for a show that I had at Valentine's one time. Like, I mean, I've done it old school. I did it before 
fucking Facebook. Like, you know, <laughs> I know how to do these things and they could be done a myriad of ways. Yeah. You don't, you know, to, off the beaten path, figure it out, but you got to hustle. You, If you don't have an audience, then your art is just for you, which could be a beautiful thing if that's yep. what you want. But something tells me that's not what you want. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. learn from it. Just watch what I do, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm still struggling. I still have like hundreds of tickets a month to sell and I still... You never feel like you're done. No. Yeah. No. Well, I was saying to my husband yesterday, I go, you know, I have to remind myself that five years ago, I wouldn't have been able to sell like a hundred tickets to something. And now if I don't sell out a room, I feel like I failed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Bar, bar, bar. Exactly. <laughs> and I just keep climbing it. <laughs> oh, wow. The, well, I am so excited. Uh, what's, what is the... Your favorite, besides mine, the favorite show that you've ever seen or had here at Cafe Oh, God. Lima. It's all, I mean, we we talk about this sometimes, and the best answer that any one of our staff ever came up with was the last one I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'll exactly. Take yeah, that, I like that, though. That's nice. We've, we've just had this incredible richness of uh, sort of expansion in what we have to offer here, particularly since the pandemic. It's been a slow build, but it kind of like, you know, accelerated after the pandemic because a lot of booking agencies fell apart, shut down. Some of the biggest ones in the business shut down. And so the agents uh, reconfigured and, you know, rejiggered themselves into different clusters and opened new agencies. And it was in the middle of the whole George Floyd thing. And Mm -hmm. so there was an eye toward diversity that hadn't existed before. And so some of those people that maybe they've been kind of watching for a while thought, heck, let's take a chance. And so... um, it used to be that it was it was there were very few people of color who were at a level of their career and had the kind of industry support that I could put on this stage and now I have many choices and what's also growing is bands from around the world really wonderful roots music from Africa from the Caribbean from um, northern Europe from just like all over the world so that's been really exciting too. Um, so I just I I love the diversity of what's happening, and um, every show has just been kind of stunningly fabulous. I have to say that's awesome. <laughs> it is. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, let's let's keep it going then. Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Aaron. This has been wonderful. See, I told you we'd have enough to talk about. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for doing this conversation series. I think you know there are definitely some good uh, lessons and takeaways in every one of the conversations you've had. I appreciate it. I hope so. Thank you for saying so. I appreciate that. It means yeah. a lot coming from you. So this has been uh, Sarah Craig here at the historic Cafe Lena. Um, her next favorite show that's coming up is. Um, January 31st. I've been saying September all week. I don't know. That's, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we okay. turn off the mics. <laughs> January 31st, we've got uh, Kim Buckley, uh, Buggy Drive, and Zan Strumfeld from Zan and the Winter Folk. And it's going to be such a great show. And of course, me. And um, thank you again, Sarah, so much for coming out. Anything coming up here that you you want to give a shout out to um you know let's just leave it at your show and keep all attention and all focus on that because i think that's great i will throw in one other all right i didn't tell her to say that by the way but go (laughs) ahead i want to say it's january 26th so it's the sunday right before your show 
Um, I think that would be the 26th. It's a Sunday afternoon show. Oh, um, this won't air before then, unfortunately. Okay. I'm sorry. All right, that's okay. We'll skip it? it, though. Well, it's we're doing a benefit for March for Our Lives, which is the um, gun control organization started by students from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a bunch of local artists doing that show, and it's at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, and that's it's tomorrow. Um, then it's not the 26th because it's the 28th. What day of the week is it? Sunday. Ah, uh, Sunday the 28th. Yeah, this will come out on on the 31st but i will okay i will happily share that with as many people as i can um so but that whole i mean you're kicking off what's a really great weekend um uh, we have uh, our bright series on that uh friday which is um where we bring in people who've never played in the area before and we have a young woman named joy clark coming with her trio up from new orleans and um just really positive singer songwriter we have a young man named alexi campaign coming the thursday between those two shows um he's a singer songwriter from uh, from canada who trained in paris who uh does a lot of looping and he plays violin and other instruments and he gets this incredible cascade of sounds going his mom was this very famous folk singer named connie caldor it just goes on and on just like pick up the schedule um you know close your eyes poke your finger into the month and just come yeah and people can be become members yes yes they can they become members to support the uh the mission of the organization and all the community outreach that we do and the music lessons and all of that kind of stuff. And they can find um, out about that at cafelina.org. Cafelina.org. Yeah. We're a nonprofit organization. So, um, this is, <laughs> I always say about nonprofits that they're doing the work that businesses don't really want to touch <laughs> because there's no money to be made in it, but our community values what this work is and that's why they come out and support it. So great. be one of those people. That would yeah, be, great. be one of those people. You heard it here. Thank you again so much, Sarah Craig, Cafe Lena. Uh, this is, I'm Aaron Harks. This has been Mistress of None, and we will be right back. You're listening to the Mistress of None podcast with Aaron Harks. Welcome back to the Mistress of None. This is Aaron Harks. That was Sarah Craig, the executive director of the historic Cafe Lena in Saratoga Springs. Uh, it was a great conversation, I thought, and I hope that uh, some musicians get something from it, um, or even comedians. I mean, the 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 business discussion is true of pretty much any art that you're trying to get into. I remember when I first started doing comedy, I had already been doing music, and I know that I talked about that a little bit in the episode, but just to touch upon one point again, is that I had somebody say, well, not everyone had this whole built-in audience kind of thing, as if I just like woke up with it one day, which is obviously not the case. Uh, but I know that a lot of people with, um, especially comedians, there's this whole concept of something called a bringer. And a lot of comedians like refuse to do them and talk about them like they're all, you know, uh, a scam or a shakedown or, you know, and some of them are pretty fucking shady. I'm not I'm not going to lie. That is absolutely 100 percent true. But when people don't do them because they feel like they shouldn't have to bring people out to see them, that's where you're wrong. 
Like if it's a scam, if it's somebody, a lot of times it is, it's a, it's a promoter that gets paid for how many people they can fit in the audience. And so if they get 10 people to each bring 10 people, they've got a hundred people in the show and they've got their payday. So yeah, they're going to make money off of you and you're going to go work for free. And I did it. Um, I did a few at Gotham, which were, um, they were great shows and I got a great tape and I got some good connections. And so those weren't completely useless for me, but they didn't pan out the way I had hoped. I did one where I was supposed to end up after like four or five of them, I was supposed to end up um, performing for the owner. And then uh, Jerry Seinfeld showed up to run like a 40 minute set and just kind of fucking cock block. Uh, half the comedians in the lineup. Luckily, I didn't lose my spot, but um, I did go up right after Jerry Seinfeld got off and the owner left with him. I joked that they went to eat cereal or something. So, um, so I didn't get that audition. I did end up hearing some feedback, but who knows if he even watched my tape. And so um, it didn't really pan out for me, but I did get some good tapes from there that I still use today. So, you know, it wasn't a total loss, but there are some ones that are going to scam new artists and everything just to get people in. But the whole idea of not having to bring people out is ridiculous. And I hear some musicians say that it's up to the venue uh, to pull people out. And yeah, to an extent it is, but if you don't have an audience, you don't have a job. Hard stop. And it's hard work to get people to come out. And it's really frustrating. And I wish that I could focus more on my art than I could focus on selling tickets. But that's just not how life works until I'm a little bit more famous. Maybe it'll be a little bit easier. And it is getting easier, but it's getting easier because I keep working at it. And it's just hard because I see so many very talented people that I would love to be able to work with. But like especially something like Cafe Lena right now in the first few months that we're doing this, we want to make sure that this continues and that we get to keep doing this every single month. And the only way that we can do that is if we sell tickets to the show. So I can't book people that can't help me sell tickets to the show. The room holds 110 people. I want to try and fill every single chair. And if we can't do that, if it's not worthwhile, like... The, the club just doesn't, you know, collect every single door ticket and that's what they make, you know, even with volunteers, like the rent and the staff and the, you know, I can't even think right now, the stuff that they have to provide for the customers, everything costs money. So like a $10 ticket does not mean $10 into the pockets of the musician and the venue, like, that's a ridiculous concept. And so uh, people say this about the funny bone sometimes. They're like, oh, like, how come we're not getting paid or we're not getting paid very much? And yes, it sucks. Yes, we could probably make a little bit more from some of these shows. But do you know what the rent is in the mall? Do you know, <laughs> like, that they have, like, 40 staff members on certain shows? Like, do some math, man. It doesn't work out sometimes. And so... You have to be able to, you could be a tremendous artist, but without an audience, you're just performing into the void. And 
I know it sucks. Believe me. I, I really do. I wish it could be all about the art, but that's just not the world that we're living in. And so, um, you know, such is life. Anyway, get a podcast like I do and tell all your four listeners to come to your shows. Um, but there are ways to do it. There are ways to promote and get yourself out there and get your name out there. And um, sometimes you're going to get said no to. And again, believe me, if you think I'm a big meanie because I've said no to you, if you knew how many times I get said no to, it's way more than than you probably. And um, you just got to take your lumps and move on. You know, prove your worth, prove your value, work hard, build an audience. You need an audience. Like I said, without an audience, you don't have a job. That's just the fact. So um, thanks for tuning in. If you are in the Capital Region and you are around tonight, come to Cafe Lena for an incredible show. It's going to be myself, Zan Strumfeld of Zan and the Winter Folk, Buggy Drive, and my old friend Kim Buckley, who was just phenomenal to me when I first started out in helping me find my way and get shows and she got me on the radio and she was wonderful to me and I can't believe I get to share a stage with her again after all these years so please come check it out you can get your tickets at cafelena.org or at erinharks.com and if you're not in the area you can stream the show for like five bucks from the comfort of your own home and all of that money goes directly to us musicians. So if you want to support this, if you can't come out, you can watch it at home and we would really appreciate that too. So again, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, check me out next week. I'll be back next week and every Wednesday forever endeavor endeavor i love you all be nice to one another please like share comment follow all that shit uh tell your friends tell your enemies just because you don't like them doesn't mean they can't listen um but help me help you something like that thanks so much for tuning in really i appreciate it i love you all have a great week bye you're listening to the mistress of none podcast